1: Hello and welcome back to Band Biographies. I'm Tom Austin Morgan, your host, and I'm here to talk about what's been going on since the mammoth permanent record podcast Joshua Tree album episode was released last month and what you can expect from this month's episode. I'll also be talking about my experience at Skarmouth Festival, which was my first gig in Sham 69. Firstly, I'd like to thank Brian and Sarah from the Permanent Record Podcast for allowing me to stitch four of their episodes together and put it out on my feed. I wasn't really expecting big download numbers, not because the episodes are bad of course, just that all four of them together added up to over eight hours, and they'd already been published individually by Permanent Record Podcast. However, it's quickly become one of the most downloaded episodes of mine that isn't a documentary. So I'd like to thank you all for downloading it and hopefully listening all the way through. If you enjoyed what you heard, you really should subscribe to the Permanent Record podcast and let Brian and Sarah know that you found out about them through band biographies. Now there have been no new reviews left on Apple Podcasts this month. I'd love to have some more to read out on next month's episode. So do go over there right now if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and leave a five star rating and a review. If you can't think of what to say about the podcast, why not just leave a review of your favourite band, your favourite album, your favourite gig or your favourite festival experience? I'd love to hear from you and it helps this show become more visible on the charts. Thank you. As I said earlier in this introduction, I played my first gig with Sham69 on the weekend of the 2nd of October previous guest on the show. Paul and I drove up in his van as we'd been told that each band needed to provide a full backline and even their own drum kit, which seemed strange, but why not? It had been a while since I played through my own amp and even longer since playing with my own cabs. So we loaded up and headed to Great Yarmouth, a drive of about 150 miles. Incidentally, this is the furthest I've ever travelled to play a gig. We got there about midday, a good seven hours before we were due to go on stage, so loads of time to get settled and ready, and as soon as we arrived we sat down with Tim the singer and he was with Rick Buckler who used to play drums in the jam, so that was surreal. Rick's a really nice bloke and we went and watched a Q&A with the pair of them on stage, which also gave me my first look at the stage itself. It was certainly wide, but didn't look too intimidating, so that was good. We were also then told that five or six of the bands had pulled out at the last minute either because of travel restrictions from abroad or the fuel shortage here in the UK so our slot had been moved to the same time but on the Sunday. Fine, that means we had a whole day to enjoy the music and really chill out. Unfortunately virtually all the bands I actually wanted to see were the ones that had pulled out which was disappointing, but you make the most of what you're given and the music was great anyway and the people there were amazing. Everyone was having a great time and were all really friendly. Not a single person was over cranking it on the booze and getting messy and aggressive. Everyone looked great in their northern soul gear or their skinhead uniforms of acid wash jeans, Ben Sherman shirts, braces and boots. It was awesome. And then we had to sleep in the caravan. I hate caravans, I've always had a hatred of them ever since my younger days, going on holiday with my family in leaky, cold, small caravans. This caravan itself was really nice, with loads of space, except in the bedrooms. The master bedroom with the double bed always goes to Ian the drummer, as he's the oldest and longest serving member in the band. The two other bedrooms are tiny and have two single beds each, except they're only just wide enough to lay on so if you move at all you could easily find yourself on the floor so I had an awful first few hours sleep so I decided to take my bedding into the lounge and slept on the massive sofa in there which was much more comfortable. Now, Sunday passed by with everyone getting into their own headspace and mentally preparing for the gig. It was Sham69's first gig since the end of 2019 I believe so everyone was a little bit green and being my first gig I really wanted to kind of get in the zone myself so we all sat quite quietly and kind of did our own thing for the day none of us went and watched any music which was a bit of a shame but it just felt like the right thing to do we had a brief run through of some of the set unplugged and moved ourselves into the green room about an hour before we had to go on now the green room was much less plush than it might sound you may have seen a picture I took of it on social media. We were sharing our space with some washer dryers as well as the backstage toilet which was nice. When we went out on stage to set our gear up and make sure everything was in tune we then found out that we could use the entire backline, including amps and drum kits so we'd lugged all our stuff up there all the way from Kent for nothing. But hey, that's fine, didn't matter. In fact, their base equipment was probably much better than mine anyway, so it's all good. But what I did notice was that the stage was much deeper than it had looked yesterday from being in front of it, and I cursed myself for not buying a wireless system so I could freely move about on it. That was the first thing that started playing on my mind. The second, was when we were introduced and took to the stage, was the number of people there. There were hundreds, probably more than a thousand... I couldn't quite see past all the lights but I know how many people were in that room earlier on and it was easily over a thousand. Again, the most people I've ever played in front of. Then there were no drums coming through on my monitors, not the best thing for a bassist. And no matter what I tried I couldn't quite catch the eye of the sound guy so that was something I just had to play through. About halfway through the set we played Hurry Up Harry, one of Sham 69's most well-known songs and all of a sudden everyone was singing, not just the minority of people who knew the deeper cuts that we'd played to that point. Also loads of phones came out with cameras on, flashlights, it was mad. And that was when it hit me that I'm playing in a band whose fans really know the songs and suddenly I was very aware of each note I was playing, which isn't great from a performance perspective. Now the set went well, but I wasn't happy with my performance. I've always been my own worst critic. I've rarely played a perfect gig. I think I can probably say that I've done it once. But everyone else was happy, and soon the high of what I'd achieved really kicked in. Tim and Ian left about half an hour after we finished the set to get back home straight away but Paul and I stayed to soak in the atmosphere and that's when weird things started happening. I was grabbed by a couple of people and asked why we didn't have any merch for sale. I had no idea. We were asked to have photos taken with people and signed set lists and I even got quite openly come onto by one woman who wanted to pay back in kind for the pleasure I'd given her that evening. This was new and completely unexpected So I made my excuses and disappeared back into the audience. After getting home on the Monday afternoon, it took me about a week to figure out if I'd actually enjoyed it, but on reflection, what a weekend. Amazing music, amazing people, and an experience unlike any I've ever had. I'm looking forward to more. And there will be more. Sham 69 are playing a few dates around the country in November, so if you're listening and fancy coming along, will be at the Snig in Widness on Saturday the 6th of November, London's New Cross Inn on Saturday the 13th of November, the Old Courts in Wigan on Thursday the 18th and the Bunkhouse in Swansea on the 19th. Please do come down and say hello if you're a listener. I'd love to see you there. Now back to the podcast. This month's episode, due out on Friday the 29th, will be another interview episode, despite me saying that it was definitely going to be a documentary. I'm almost finished the script for the next doc, so I will be recording it soon and will have it ready for November, but the interview this month will be with singer and guitarist Giz Butt, who I played on the same bill as in London at the end of September. He currently plays in a punk metal band called Janus Stark but has played in a whole load of bands including The Prodigy, English Dogs, Steve Ignorant of Crass's live band, The Fields of the Nephilim, The Destructors, Sabbath, and many more. He was really generous with his time, giving me nearly two hours which I've cut down to about 90 minutes and it covers a lot of ground from pioneering thrash metal with the English Dogs to being chased by Russian police in Moscow while partying with the Prodigy He also has some great advice for people looking to start bands, as well as if you're an experienced musician already. This is also the first time that a guest has played guitar live during one of my interviews as well, so I hope you enjoy listening to our chat and his playing as much as I did while we were having the conversation. As ever, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I really hope to meet a few of you at the Sham 69 gigs in November. And please do reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or by email, as well as leaving those ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. But more than anything else, take care and stay safe. See you in the pit.
0: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football